Welcome to Real Deep Stuff. We've saved your seat at the table for this conversation. We're so glad you're here. Hey everybody, it's Christy here. It's been a while and I am so sorry about that. Uh, gosh, I think the last time I recorded a podcast, it was um, coming at the heels of Guyana where we got to speak with the senior superintendent of a prison there, one of the largest prisons. And that conversation was super life-changing for me. He had so much wisdom to share and I really enjoyed his perspective. So if you didn't get a chance to check it out, uh, Charles Height and I, host of The Rabbit Hole Show, and I uh, collaborated to interview Diaraj, and I highly recommend you take a listen. Well, since then, a lot has happened, <laughs> so that's the reason for a little bit of a hot minute for a break, but anyway, I came home from Guyana and got really, really, well, I came home really, really sick, and it had to do with some mold over there, and I got a nasty bacterial infection that took a month to get over, and in the middle of that, I was picking up some sticks in my yard and accidentally put my hand in a yellow jacket nest under some pine straw that obviously I did not know was there. And that was one of the weirdest physical experiences I've ever had because I was just picking up sticks and all of a sudden I felt like these weird electrodes all over my body, like these little shocks. It's like it didn't even hurt. It just was felt like a zing or a zap. Um, kind of like if you've ever been to the chiropractor and they put those or physical therapy and they put those like little electrodes on you and they like they like turn up the dial and say, you know, tell me when you feel this. That's the way it felt. So my mind and my body were completely disconnected as to what was happening. And then I heard as this weird zapping feeling was all over my body. And I'm trying to figure out what that was. I heard this collective like hum, like a hmm. And I went, I know what this is. So I went tearing off to the house, stripping off my clothes in the garage, did not even care who was around. I just knew that all of a sudden I had a lot of stings on me. I didn't know how many. I know yellow jackets are just nasty mean and they will chase you forever. So I ran in the house and Bruce was in there and he's like, what in the world? I'm like, help me. So I run, I get in the shower and I'm pulling off all my clothes because I'm thinking I just got to get water on me to get them off of me. And so they were in my hair, they were down my clothes. Um, it was terrible. So got in the, cause I wanted to get the venom off and I wanted like a water barrier between them and me. So there was like four of them in the bathroom trapped in there with me and a couple in the house that flew in. The four were like on me and so Motrin and Benadryl later, um, my head was hurting so bad for like an hour. I just cried and cried. I was like, my head, my head, my head. Cause I knew they had stung me like literally head to toe. And finally I was like, Bruce, what is, what is going on back here? Look, take a flashlight. And there had been a nasty giant stinger in my scalp for an hour. So it's like having a hypodermic needle stuck in you for an hour. And it was just awful. <laughs> so I, I treated it at home. But I felt really nauseous, and the next day I wound up um, from the advice of a triage nurse doing a telehealth appointment, and so they said that I was, um, the nausea and things like that, the amount of swelling was an anaphylactoid reaction, so 
put me on prednisone and I got better after that, but I had welts and stings on me. I'm looking right now to see, actually, you know, you can kind of still see a couple of little pink dots on me. It was, we counted 20 stings. So <laughs> I am just grateful, <clears throat> excuse me, grateful to be alive. <laughs> and, you know, after that, you know, you're telling people what happened and then they're sharing their stories. And one friend was like, I had a cousin who died from just two stings. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So, and then, then I find out you can have a delayed reaction and, you know, all these things. So I guess I'm now the proud owner of an EpiPen and, um, yeah, so that was while I was sick. So I was pretty down for the count for the entire month of August, just, just not feeling physically well at all. So anyway, <laughs> we are back in the saddle bacterial infection is gone. Um, thanks to antibiotics and the beast, well, yellow jacket stings are gone. Um, I, I gotta say, <laughs> If I hear one flying around my head, there's a little bit of a trigger there, and I'm sure that will fade with time, but I did get right back in the saddle as far as, I told Bruce, like, that night, I was like, I'm never doing yard work again, you know, that kind of thing. I'm never going outside again, which is just not reality, so the next day, I started with going back into the garage because you know, they, yellow jackets will chase you and swarm you. And so I just had this irrational fear that they were all going to be waiting for me in the garage still. So I went out of the garage. There were None of them were there. It was fine. And then I said, okay, well, I was only halfway done with my yard stuff. So I'm just going to finish it. And so I started with the blower, blowing off the driveway. And then I was like, we're going to pick up sticks again. We're going to literally pick up where we left off. We did kill the, the nest in the meantime, of course, and it took two days for all of those little suckers to die, but um, we have lots of trees, so there was a lot of sticks to pick up. So anyway, I was pretty excited that I could just get back to business, and I knew that if I got hung up in that irrational fear of like, I'm never going to do this again, that's going to just make me a prisoner in my own self. It's not going to benefit me or anybody else. So that's what I did. I just went right back outside in the yard the next day and started back in the yard work. And it really helped. It really helped, um, like quicken the healing, like the mental healing of the trauma of, of this. Um, I mean, it was, it was serious. We had to kill the six that were in the house. And like I said, they went down my clothes, like, oh, it was awful. And, you know, they stung me on like all sides of my body. So no matter how I tried to lie down, it hurt because, you know, it was pressure on those welts. So um, I was pulling stingers out of me. You know, yellow jackets aren't even supposed to drop their stinger. But those suckers got me so hard <laughs> that they actually left their stingers behind as a party gift. So um, anyway, it was just awful. <laughs> so <laughs> August was a pretty rough month. Uh, it was actually my birthday month, too. So um <laughs> I was like, yay, <laughs> you know, but it's okay. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So we are on an adventure now and can't wait to share about that soon. Actually, we'll have some guests join me about that, which I'm very excited about. But in the meantime, there is something that I really feel that, um, oh goodness, <laughs> sorry about that. I don't know how to stop that. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, 
Um, there is a topic that God put on my heart that I have not wanted to walk forward in. And the reason is just sheer intimidation. So when I think about, well, who's that voice of intimidation? It's honestly, it's myself. So it's taken me about three months to push past that. So I've had this on my heart that I really believe he wants me to do for about three months. And I just have been intimidated to do it. So I'm going to just do it. <laughs> and I love that you're joining me on the journey. Thank you so much. So this will just be a mini series. And this is part one. And it's the series is about that your mental health is not just for you. And mental health can also blur into emotional health and spiritual health and physical health. And we'll be touching on all of those things. So... This first, they're in the, the topics are going to be just disjointed and they're kind of standalone a la carte, if you will. So today's topic is forgiveness and that does actually touch on all of it. The emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, and I'm just going to be sharing some examples over this mini series from my life. I won't name names and all that kind of stuff for privacy, because that's not really the point of who. It's more about what happened as a result. What's the end result? So forgiveness is something that touches us. I mean, you, you just can't, unless you've lived on a deserted island your entire life and never ran across another human being, we have all walked the roads of forgiveness and unforgiveness. <clears throat> We've been on both sides of that fence, needing forgiveness, needing to forgive. And honestly, it's just one of the hardest things about being a human being is, is this topic of forgiveness. The point that I want to share today is that when we forgive, we all know by now that we're doing ourselves a favor in addition to the other person. And sometimes, regardless of the other person, we all know that unforgiveness keeps us locked in our own prisons. The other person, I mean, gosh, they could be alive or dead. They could be sorry or not. They could remember it or not. So it really has to do with, with you living with you. And so I have had many opportunities to either need to be forgiven or to offer forgiveness. And I've done it well and I've done it poorly and pretty much a mix of everything in between over my decades of living. But I want to share one particular aspect that I think kind of lends to the mental health side of forgiveness. So we know that not forgiving just can destroy us emotionally. I mean, we can just be, it will erode us like a thunderstorm on sand. Like it will just chip away at our soul emotionally. And then that ripples to every other relationship we have. We know that and nothing good comes out of that. We also know, obviously it affects us spiritually. There's so many scriptures where they're talking about forgiveness. You know, Jesus is saying, don't judge and, you know, forgive and whatever measure you forgive, it will be given to you and vice versa. 
you know, bear with one another, each other's burdens and confess your sin. And there's so many scriptures that talk about that because if we're not willing to forgive others, yet we go running to God when we've done something wrong and we're like, forgive me. That's not how it works. And and I think we know that by now. We got to have our heart in the right place. And if we're not willing to forgive others, I mean, Jesus said it straight up that we won't be forgiven. And I know from the amount of stuff that I do wrong all the time, I need unlimited forgiveness. And that means I need to forgive an unlimited amount of times. You know, they, when Jesus talked, it's like 70 times seven. And the point was, you just keep doing it. And the physical aspect of unforgiveness is it will, it's, we're not meant to hold that type of negativity in our body and it will come out. It has to come out just like stress that we've talked about before. It will come out in headaches, backaches, sore joints, you know, because we're, we're tense. We're holding all this in something that we're not meant to hold or carry or keep. We're holding, and that takes energy from our body literally to do that. So our breathing can be labored. Our muscles can be sore. That adrenaline pumping that feeds the emotions of unforgiveness, all of that has physical ramifications on our body. And that's not going to lead us anywhere good. Gosh, that, that'll go down all kinds of rabbit holes of, you know, then we're going to eat certain foods to make our bodies feel better. And those are probably not going to be the ones that are best for us comfort foods. I mean, there might be a few healthy options, but let's face it, a lot of comfort foods are not the best choices on the menu and and so on. And it can wreck our sleep. And so if we're just churning and turning and turning at night, we're just replaying and everything, we're not sleeping, which means the next day we're going to be tired and irritable and grumpy and slower at our work and all, all those things. Everything is connected. Our mind, our body, and our spirit are all connected. I've said it before and and I still want to find scripture to back it up, but I do believe since we were created in the image of Imago Dei, in the image of God, that if you think about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it's three in one. I think it's fascinating that if we were created in, in his image, that we are body, mind, and spirit. Those are three in one. So you can't do something to one part of the three that doesn't affect, you know, the other three two parts. So that being said, um, I want to share a season of my life that was pretty difficult and it has to do with actually a friend. And we ran in the same circles. We overlapped in so many different areas and just, she was just part of, you know, my weekly and sometimes, you know, daily life. So, um, I'm going to choose my words carefully, but what it appeared from the outside is that she just set her heart against me. And I don't know why to this day, I still don't know why. (laughs) I do think it was way more of a her thing. Um, As I'll explain later that it turned out that she was going through a personal crisis. I don't know if I was collateral damage in that. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But she just set her heart against me and kind of like went after me in like that old mean girl kind of way. And I'm thinking, wow, junior high and high school was hard enough. Do we really have to do this again as adults? 
And so there were things that were not true that were said about me and my character. And she kind of went on a war path and destroyed the several friendships that I had. And at the time, like I said, our lives were very intertwined and I did not know how to handle that. I did just kind of stop talking to her altogether. I just didn't really have anything else to say. I didn't understand what was happening. Um, I know my kids felt some of the reverb, re, the um, ripple effect from that. And because our kids were the same ages and involved in a lot of the same things. And it was just awful and messy. And so this went on for a while, like a couple of years. And in that time, God was really working on me. I'd already gone through the path of forgiveness towards my biological father, towards my stepfather, towards a couple of other people. And so I kind of felt like the path of forgiving was familiar. Again, trust me, I own my own junk. I've had enough of, of things that I've done or said. And um, so I'm just trying to share, like, I had a history with working on the difficult things with forgiveness. So I thought, here we go again. <laughs> and I kept giving it to God. I had to let the friendships go, the people that now obviously wanted nothing to do with me. Again, I had no idea what was being said or whatever. And then a couple years later, the strangest thing happened. Um, we got a new pastor at our church and it was the first Sunday he was there and he preached a sermon on love. And it was like, well, if you love someone, you're not going to treat them badly. He was giving examples like, if you love your spouse, you're not going to cheat on them, that type of thing. And I was there for that sermon and it was a really, it was really good. Well, I guess after that, well, let me back up. During that sermon, she was also there and something happened in her heart where she had, like I said, as I'd learned later, she had been going through her own like mental crisis and so her heart was in a place to receive this sermon I really think that sometimes we can either catch or not catch things based on where our heart and head are at we can both you know two people can sit down at a movie and be like oh that was just the best movie you know I got so much out of it and the other person would be like that was a movie you know it's a lot about how it's the message is being received. So she was in a place to receive that message. And she came up to me afterwards. I was quite surprised because again, it'd been years since she had had anything to do with me. She came up to me and her husband was with her and she grabbed my arm. And I'm telling you, she had like no color in her face. It was wild. Her eyes were huge, like deer in headlights. And she looked just somewhere between shock and stunned. And she looked at me and she said, Christy, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry for everything I did. I'm so sorry for everything I said. Would you please forgive me? And it was like the most desperate apology I think I've ever seen personally in my life. She was absolutely broken and desperate for me to forgive her. 
So let's pause that story for a second. In those couple of years, um, it had been a lot of like, a lot of hurt because like I said, we overlapped in a lot of circles and it, it was a lot of cold shoulders and a lot of um, being left out of things. And again, my kids feeling the brunt of some of that as well. And I had to push through on my own journey and just say, I have no idea what's going on with her, but I know that I haven't done anything to deserve this. I haven't said anything. I haven't done anything. I don't deserve this. So I need to move on. And it took a while, you know, how sometimes when you want to forgive, you forgive and they kind of just take a little bit of it back because you're not done and kind of stewing over it. <laughs> and, then, and it took a while for me to like tug of war this with God. And finally, I had I'd come to a point where I'd completely release all of it, 100%. I was at peace with her. I was at peace with myself. I was at peace with the other friends that completely dropped me. I just was at peace. I was even at peace with the treatment of my kids because I thought, wow, well, with friends like this, who needs enemies, right? So like probably better off that they're not in those involved in those circles as likewise me. So I had completely moved on and I created a whole new life outside of her and those circles. And I was really happy. And I can say with like a an honest open heart that I had genuinely worked through all that. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't overnight. It took a while because <laughs> I mean, trust me, I had cried my tears and kind of ranted to my husband more than he ever probably wanted to hear, but, um, he's a good listener <laughs> and I kind of exhausted the whole thing. You ever just get tired of it? You just get tired of spending that energy when it's doing nothing good. So I just kind of came to the end of all of it and I was just like, I don't need this and I need to take care of my own mental well-being, my own physical and spiritual and emotional and mental health. So fast forward back to that church day and she's grabbing my arm in absolute desperation and she's like, Christy, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. And I brought my husband along as a witness to show you that I really mean this. I'm really sorry. And I looked at her with a smile and I just said, I forgave you a long time ago. We're good. And she was a bit stunned. She was just like, whoa, <laughs> what? And I just said, really, we're good. It's okay. It's all right. All is forgiven. And that was kind of the end of the conversation. I think, I think she was a little bit speechless and didn't know what to say. And I kind of didn't have anything more to say than that. I mean, there's a difference between forgiving someone and being at peace with them, which the Bible says, you know, whenever possible, as far as it is up to you, live at peace with everybody. But that doesn't always mean allow them 100% access to your heart. No. Or your life. No. There's boundaries. There's things like that. So I had boundaries and guardrails up and I was like, you're not coming back over those lines. <laughs> but I can absolutely know that, you know, I'm at peace with you. So how do I know that, you know, what she was saying was just like absolutely false and made up because interestingly, a little while after that, I had a couple of friends 
some of the friends that had just dropped me like a hot potato, I ran into them separately. And I remember one, I totally randomly ran into her in, in a part of the city that I'm usually not even in. And I looked at her and again, I had wa walked through forgiveness of the people that had just like bought whatever she was selling, hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> it never came to me to ask me if anything was true or anything, just like totally bought the whole thing. And she was one of them. And she, I uh, ran into her and she said, I just was like, hello, you know, good to see you. And it, we were just kind of passing each other and she stopped and she's like, Christy, do you have a second? And I was like, sure. I had no idea at this point what she was going to say. I, cause I really always liked her and I missed her friendship. I really did. Like I said, she was not the only one. There were several that just absolutely stopped talking to me completely. And she said, you have a second. I was like, sure. And she said, I need to apologize to you. And I was like, for what? And she said, because I believed everything this friend told me and I never even asked you if any of it was true or anything. I just listened and believed everything and I now know that none of it was true and I'm really, really sorry. And it was, she was truly like remorseful, like she was sad and because I had already worked through the forgiveness toward her and some others and then you know our common friend I was able to look at her with the same grace and say it's all good it's all good it's okay we're good and she was just super mature about it I don't know what had happened in her life to get her to that point where she found out everything wasn't true and, you know, it was all made up and whatever. I don't really care about any of that. Like they say, nobody got time for that. <laughs> but at some point she realized or found out that nothing that she had believed was true. And she'd been living with a lot of guilt. And she was like, I did not treat you well. I'm really sorry. And that meant the world to me. Again, boundaries, limited access, that type of thing. But wow, yeah, I can totally live at peace with her if I saw her today. I mean, we just, we simply just live separate lives. I don't ever see her, but um, if I did, I'd be happy to see her. And I would ask her how her husband and kids are doing. And I would ask her how she's doing and, you know, it and all would be well. So I guess, why did I share that today? It's because I want to encourage people out there to not wait for that moment that may or may not ever come where the other party is like ready to close this chapter. They might not ever get there, but you need to get there because you need to make sure, I need to make sure that our lines of communion with God are not broken over this and that the collateral damage and ramifications of all of that mess don't spill over into every other part of our life, just ourselves personally and our relationships and so on and so on, our work and all these things. And forgiving is good for the mind, the body, and the soul. And it's just one of the hardest things to do, isn't it? 
when we've been wronged, there's just this sense of justice that rises up in us. And we're just like, that's not fair. And yep, it's not fair. I will never know why she did all that to me. I will never know why these adult women believed her and then therefore just cut me out of their life and my my children out of their kids' lives. I'll never know. But at this point, looking in the rearview mirror about the whole thing, it doesn't really matter because, you know, if they if they had been a good friend, they would have asked me personally about things and I could have talked about that. Evidently, we weren't as close as I thought we were. So, you know, something like this can can weed the garden of your life. And it might be painful, but maybe it's for the better after all anyway. So here I am on this side of things, um, went through a lot of work with God and my own emotions about these people and how unfair it was. And I came through all of that, a stronger person, a person who is at peace with them and with myself. I'm at peace with God about it. So when I need to ask forgiveness, I know that I'm not hanging on to any of that bitterness toward them when I want God to show me grace. And I think I mentioned this particular example because, like I said, I've done things right and I've done things wrong with this topic over my life, as we all have. And it was really so cool to be able to look at her on a moment that was unplanned, completely spontaneous. And when she asked for that forgiveness for me to just, you know, respond and say, it's, it's okay. I've already forgiven you. That felt really good. It felt like that's the way life is supposed to be lived. I had no idea she was going to say that that day. She had no idea. Like I said, it was the sermon that just like completely convicted her heart. She did not walk in there that day planning to see me and talk to me and all of that. So for the good of your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health, take inventory. Take some time to dull the sounds of the world and take inventory on what's going on, what keeps you up at night. What makes you not be able to go to sleep? What makes you eat out of stress and eat the wrong kind of foods? Those, those are questions that we need to say, what's going on? Like I talked about weeding the garden. It's good to stop and kind of survey the land of your life and say, what's out of place here? What doesn't belong? And be proactive. Don't wait, because I can tell you one thing, if I had not done the work of forgiving her and she came up to me that morning, it would have been such a shock. I would have had no idea how to handle it. I wouldn't have known what to say. I wouldn't have known what to do. I highly doubt anything would have been very sincere because it just would have been like a knee jerk response. Even if it was something positive, it's still would have been just a, like, you know, a boomerang answer from someone like me who doesn't like conflict. <laughs> and then I would have had to go home and I would have had to think about the whole thing. And it just would have been on and on and on and on. So for me to have been proactive and said, where are the weeds of my life? Where are the hurts? Where are the wounds? Let's take care of them. 
regardless if I ever get to have a conversation with the people that put those weeds in my life, or maybe who are the weeds in my life, I, I need to do this for me. You need to do this for you because we get one life. And, and for sensitive people like myself or empaths, I mean, we can lose a week's worth of sleep over any given topic that has to do with something that comes close to our heart. And life is too short for that. Because then we're just tired and grumpy, like I said before, and it just bleeds into every other part of our life. So my encouragement today is to stop, take some time by yourself, and survey your land, your life. Survey it. What doesn't fit? It might be small. It might be big. Whatever is not meant to be growing in your garden Take the first steps. Just acknowledge those things. Maybe write them down on a piece of paper and start, just start to think about dealing with them. Start a conversation with God saying, I know this is here. I'm not sure if I'm strong enough or ready to deal with it. I know it's here. Could you help me? Could you help me? I mean, that's what he wants. He wants what's best for us. And what's best for us is to have a growing, beautiful garden. And it's interesting. I was learning about how forests look recently, how healthy ones and unhealthy ones look. And based on too many dead trees in the forest or parasites or fungi or invasive species of some kind, how they can really like slowly, slowly, where they, you know, you don't see it overnight, sound familiar, destroy the forest. And they gave pictures of what looks like a healthy tree versus an unhealthy tree. And it was fascinating. You know, of course you look at a healthy tree and you're like, well, obviously that's healthy. But then you look at this other one next to it. And it's like, they were like, that one has mistletoe parasite, which I had never heard of before, but it makes the branches and leaves grow wrongly, for lack of a better way to describe that. It looks patchy. And then the dead trees and the trees that don't belong, their their canopies or, or just their presence are shading, too shading for the healthy trees to grow. And so they, I was learning about forestry late, lately and talking about how the um, forest management folks will go in and they will trim out the forest and they will cut down the dead trees and they'll make these piles that look like um, bonfires and then in the winter time they'll set them all on fire and they're killing all the dead wood because if natural fires aren't happening to keep that forest healthy then people need to come in and give them a hand same thing with the trees that are infested with some type of a parasite or whatever they'll come in and they'll thin them out and it's interesting to me that, you know, God puts something that on the surface seems destructive, like a forest fire. We think, you know, oh no, <laughs> that's bad. Well, not really, because it, it, it's going to bring forth so much new growth. And if you even look at a pine cone, how the pine cone stays closed with this resin. And then when the resin reaches a certain temperature, the heat from the fire will open and the seeds then get to be poured out. So without the heat, the pine cone would never open for the seeds to release to, to make new pine trees. So he's got this entire thing figured out. And it, a lot of it is in uh, the same as in our own lives. Like if we aren't letting him do the work, you know, just 
bringing it to our attention. Like those little whispers in our heart, like, hmm, when I think about this person, my stomach turns, <laughs> you know, or I get so angry. It, if we're not listening to that voice of the Holy Spirit, just kind of like going, I think you need to deal with this. I think you need to deal with that. I think you need to deal with them. And that's that natural forest fire. Then we need, if we're not going to just listen to the cues that he's given us, that can be signaled in our body, our mind, and our spirit, in our emotions, in all the ways that it percolates and comes up over and over and over again, like heartburn. Um, then we need to take the proactive step like the forest management folks and stop and survey the land and go, okay, where's the healthy trees? Where's the unhealthy trees? We need to get rid of the unhealthy trees. <laughs> what does that look like? That means you need to cut them down. That means you need to pull that invasive species up by the root, you know, that type of thing. In fact, we learned this one place we we're at recently that um, it's it's illegal to catch and release beautiful fish like rainbow trout because they're they're an invasive species and they're going to they're going to dominate and that's not good so you actually can't throw them back which um is fascinating to me <laughs> so same thing in our hearts we can either let the lord speak to us and respond accordingly in his time or we need to if we haven't been listening and we've only been hearing our own thoughts and emotions we can take some time and stop and survey the land and go where what's healthy what's not how do we need to deal with it because you just never know I would have never thought in a bajillion years that this person would have ever a seen that she'd done anything wrong b acknowledged that she did anything wrong or c said it to my face. I just, I was not putting my money on that bet. It had been years and, um, no one could have been more surprised than me. So you just never know. You might never get that closure from the other person. You might never get that confession from the other person, but we can still get to a point where we are healthy and productive and at peace doing the will that was made for us happily, hardworkingly, and not staying up at night, ruminating about all these things. And remember, it might just be the finger pointing at you and at me when we need to be the one having those hard, hard conversations, offering the apologies. So it's a good thing to practice forgiveness, practice accepting apologies, understanding your access and boundaries, because I'm saying like, it could be today that you or I are in the hot seat and we're the ones that are desperately grabbing the arm saying, please forgive me. So there it is. That is today. And I've got more to share. And like I said, the topics are disjointed. They're not all connected, but that's okay. I'm excited to uh, continue this conversation with you guys. See you next time. Thanks again for listening to Real Deep Stuff. Follow us and subscribe to save your seat at the table for the next conversation. Also, check out our Facebook page to continue the conversation on today's topic. We'll see you there.